Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. This week, they really wanted to hurt me. <laughs> I was in pain for a lot of this uh, this viewing, but we're going to talk about that in a second. Today, I am joined by Tobin Addington. Hello, Tobin. Hey, Nick. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. You've seen the film we're going to talk about a couple times because you have kids. I Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You've seen them do recently. Your, mm-hmm. Do your kids call them the old ones? They we watched in uh, the order in which they were produced. Okay, if that cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Good, good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good parenting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right, it's, the old, it's the only way. Yeah. <laughs> right next to Tobin is Caitlin Hoffmeister. Hello, Hi. Caitlin. How Hello. are you? Hello. I'm good. My nephew and I got in a very confusing discussion about the old Star Wars, <laughs> and we were talking about completely different things because oh, the old stars to him were the new Star Wars. Well, then me. what are the old ones? Like all six are old Star Wars to him. No, I don't think he even. Yes, I think that's it. But yeah. the old. So he was talking about Attack of the Clones, I think, and he was talking about it like the old one. And uh, I was like, that's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we have Matthew Gatos. Hello. Hello. I don't know. I didn't watch this with kids or no, I, talk to kids about it, so I don't have a follow up to either of those points. Sorry. It's okay. Neither did I. Um, I watched it with my dog. And she was just like, Dad, why are you sad? (laughs) But this week, we start a trilogy of episodes uh, where we are going to talk about each of the prequel Star Wars films. And there are now four prequels because Rogue One is technically a prequel. We're not going to be talking about that one. We're going to be talking about The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. And in this episode, we are talking about The Phantom Menace. So, wow. (laughs) Uh, I had not watched The Phantom Menace in a really long time. And so this was, I found it rather shocking to see this time uh, for a lot of different reasons that we're going to talk about. So I can't wait to get into this discussion. But before we get into this discussion, we have to do our 60 second plot dump. Matt's already shaking his head. (sighs) I just, after watching, I've watched two of the three so far in preparation for this. And I don't know how any of us are going to be able to do this in 60 seconds and actually convey what happens in these movies. I think this is going to be exciting. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Um, Well, each one of you is going to get the opportunity because there are three of them and and I'm the one that's leading the discussion for these three. So I'm picking. You decide. So I I pretty much know who I want to do the second to. So that leaves Tobin to do the first one. Oh, man. Okay. So, Tobin, you have 60 seconds to tell us. I got a timer for you. <laughs> okay, you have the timer? I got the timer, and you, oh, can, you can watch it. He was real good this last time. Oh, God. That's okay. true. Okay, so I'm excited. you have 60 seconds to All tell right. us what is the plot of oh. Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. Episode one, The Phantom Menace, in three, two, <laughs> one. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So the Trade Federation is blockading this planet called Naboo. Uh, two Jedi are sent to uh, assist to sort of negotiate stuff there. They get um, they escape an assassination attempt, go to the planet. They meet a bunch of creatures. Uh, they escape the planet with the queen of Naboo, but they get shot on the way out. So they crash land on this planet, Tatooine. Uh, and they meet the slave boy named Anakin, who seems especially gifted in the Force. Uh, the Jedi uh, decide to free him, and they do this with a, with a, through a whole series of things and there's a pod race that Anakin wins. They, they set off back to uh, the sort of lead the Coruscant, right? The main planet where the, where the Senate is. The Queen is tricked into voting Terrence Stamp out of the council and electing a guy who's going to become the Emperor. Uh, there's, a, there's a big battle back on Naboo. Uh, there's this guy named Darth Maul who has a double lightsaber who's a bad guy and he ha- has this big fight and in the end one of the, the Liam Neeson character is killed and cremated uh, and the 
and that's the end. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah, that was really yeah. close. I got close. Really, that's really good. good. That's yeah, pretty, yeah. I like that you call him the Liam Neeson character because that's always how I think of him too. Yeah. Like I don't know his real name. Well, like they I say it, like and I'm like, who? You called him Terrence Stamp. It's like Terrence Stamp was in the Senate and on Coruscant. <laughs> Terrence Stamp showed up. Yeah, I wish it was. That would be even better if yeah. it was actually Terrence Stamp. I mean, it was Senator but, Terrence yeah. Stamp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, oh. See, this is an interesting thing to me because your plot synopsis makes that movie sound kind of exciting. Totally. Like it, if you if you just in sort of right right. If you disconnect the actual movie from the ideas that are in the movie, there's something there that's fascinating. Yeah. But that's not my experience with watching right. it. Right, right. <laughs> so I want to do a little bit of background on The Phantom Menace. Please. And, uh, but then I also want to talk about our backgrounds with The Phantom Menace because I think we've got some very interesting, uh, different experiences <laughs> with this film. Uh, the first thing is, okay, the original Star Wars comes out in 1977. We had two movies after that, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. They were hugely successful, especially for a property that was not based on anything beforehand. It was, you know, straight for cinemas, and it was huge, and it redefined how movies were marketed and made. It created this subculture that is, like, one of the biggest, what you would still consider a cult following, but yet it's, like, huge. Like, everyone is affected by Star Wars. And... It also is like my generation, I feel like, because I was born in 77. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and it was, I was taken as a little baby to go see Star Wars. It was, you know, I don't remember it at all, but like that. So when was, somebody asks you how old you are, you should just say Star Wars. That's yeah. exactly correct. <laughs> Star Wars. I, was, I saw Star Wars technically before it had a number. Because when yeah, they were first right. released, they, right. it didn't have a number. It wasn't until the re-release, I think, in before The Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. that they did a re-release and they put it as episode four. So all of this happens. And then there's some little things that happen. They have some made-for-TV things like the Ewok oh, Adventures. and The holiday the, special. The holiday, holiday special, special, which Matt wants to do for next Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Next uh, Christmas real bad. Yeah. It has to happen. <laughs> it's got to happen. And I'm sort of sad I didn't think about it for this year. But uh, yeah, that's Well, it. anticipation, yeah. people. You can watch it. You can like watch a few seconds every day because that's as much as you'll want to stand. Yeah, so that by yeah. next Christmas, you will have watched the full hour and 40 minutes of the holiday special. Oof. And you got to pace it because damn. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I tried to watch it the other day just because I was like, it's Christmas time. And me and, my, me and my girlfriend made it through nine minutes. And she was like, can we turn this off? And I was like, yes, we can. Yeah, it's, it's epically bad. Yeah. Um, but for about 20 years, there, there were no films. Like, it was only that original trilogy. Uh, there were a lot of extended universe, expanded universe stuff. There were a lot of novels that started coming out in the 90s uh, that were pretty fun. Like, they, were, they weren't awful. Um, but it, it was this sort of weird sort of uh, reintroduction of Star Wars into pop culture with novels and toys and video games. And so that started to get the ball rolling of the awareness of it. And then Lucas announced first that he was going to reissue the original trilogy with new digital effects which made a lot of money, but was a disaster for those of us that love the films. Mm -hmm. And then he was going to have a new trilogy after that. So the re-releases were in 97 to coincide with 20-year anniversary. And then the new films would come out in either 98 or 99, according to him. It was going to be episodes one, two, and three, where we're going to talk about everything that happened before the trilogy, which is, I think, a fascinating idea Mm -hmm. um, because... All of us were fascinated by Darth Vader. All of us were fascinated by what the Jedi were, because we'd never really seen that. We'd only seen, you know, Luke Skywalker sort of trying to become something. Mm-hmm. And Darth Vader, who is a, you know, mostly machine, broken down old man. Like, that's 
all we'd seen. So we got teased <laughs> and it really and then the trailer for the movie comes out and the trailer's amazing. If you ever want to like really see a good trailer, <laughs> the trailer for The Phantom Menace is very good and I can still watch it and get kind of excited. It's weird. <laughs> um, with a budget of 115 million estimated they don't know for sure because lucas owned the production company right so he probably got a deal on a lot of the cg that was in there because he was you know i think steven spielberg even said at the time i couldn't make this same movie for that amount of money huh. um because george lucas owns industrial light and magic and lucasfilm and everything so the movie comes out and initially I'm going to talk about my experience <laughs> and then I'd like to go around and hear everybody else's. So when it came out, I could not be more excited. I, I've said before in this podcast that Star Wars is one of my favorite things. At that time, it was my favorite thing. Mm. It, Star Wars, I love the expanded universe. I love the movies. I love The Empire Strikes Back, especially, which I still love. Mm -hmm. But I was hyped for this thing. <laughs> I had already come to terms with the idea of like, I didn't want to see little boy Anakin. Like I didn't care. I, I was kind of shocked that they were going that far back, but whatever. It's a Star Wars movie. I'm going to get to see lightsabers and real Jedi. And and uh, I had, didn't even know that the Sith were going to be a thing because it was only, only Sith were only mentioned in like marketing things. They never mentioned it in the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. um, but I had this album for Star Wars that if you opened it up, it said Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith. And that's all I knew. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I went and saw it and I walked out and my attitude was basically like, I think I liked that. <laughs> you were still running on your like hype. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I, I was Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yay. It's like this was a big deal for me. Like we were getting right. into the Star Wars directed by George Lucas. I could see some of the problems, but I'm like, George Lucas is rusty. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But, and then, so then I went back to see it like four or five more times because I went with like friends and family and we just kept going back to see it. Well, and also like you were a baby when the first ones were in the theater. And so it's like, yeah, you want to get the theater experience yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I sort of defended it for a long time after that because I really enjoyed things like I loved the design of Darth Maul mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I loved the lightsaber fight and I just love Ewan McGregor. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I love, it doesn't matter if the movie's terrible, I usually love Ewan McGregor <laughs> in the movie. Right, right. And so it took me a while for me to realize that this movie had some very deep-seated problems. But that's going to lead us into another discussion. So I'd like to kind of go around. Matt, what was your experience with The Phantom Menace? Uh, well, a little brief history, too, of my experience with Star Wars in general, because I think I come at it from a very different place because I was first exposed to Star Wars in like 95. Right before the re-releases. Right. So we had, there's a very familiar to me, like VHS box set that came out that had like purple and blue titles and stuff on it. It doesn't look very much like Star Wars marketing. That's but the THX remastered Yes, VHS. that's the one that like everyone had in the mid 90s because yep, right. they re-released them on before the special editions. And that was the set that I had and I just devoured over and over mm -hmm. and over yeah. again. And then I had those as well. Yeah. When the special editions came out uh, in 97, my parents took me to see those in the theater. So I was very into the Star Wars. Very, I had, they were starting to reissue all the toys, like you said, and I had a bunch of toys. Sure. And so when Phantom Menace was coming out, it, 
I wasn't able to grasp that idea that, that it had been 20 years. Sure. Because I had been with these films up like for four years and I hadn't like slowed down. Totally. Right. Like yeah, there was yeah, never yeah. A, a lull for me. I kept watching these films over and over and over. Okay. I saw the re-releases in 97. So I'd just been to a theater two years to go, two years ago before that to see a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. In theaters, I think even closer to that because I, they spaced them out a little bit. And they I did, think, yeah. Uh, Jedi came out in theaters in 98, the re-release, like early 98 or something. Could be. I think they were all 97, but maybe winter closer. I, they were winter. within a few months of each yeah, other. They, I know that. Um, but so for me, I felt like it was just another Star Wars movie. I understood that it was a prequel, but mm-hmm. I was like 11 or 12. And it just, when I went to see it, I don't remember my reaction too much, but I know that I definitely wasn't able to know, like, oh, this is bad. Like, yeah. I enjoyed it in that childhood way of, like, oh, there was lightsabers. It was a Star Wars movie. I bought the pod racing video game. I had the Darth Maul action figures. I had that all pod that racing stuff. video game was pretty cool. By yeah, it still is. Still have it. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things where, as at that age, with that movie, I was just kind of all in and didn't really yeah. realize until later on the problems with it like i think we'll get obviously to the other movies in the prequels like but as i got older with the prequels coming out i started to see the issues throughout all the movies yeah and then now as an adult i really see the problems with the movies (laughs) yeah um but yeah that's so at the time i was kind of just all in and didn't really know any better (laughs) that's fair caitlin i first I first saw Star Wars when I was 20, so I, which makes me sound very old, but, um, <laughs> but really it's just like, I had never seen them. Like my parents weren't interested. I'm like, we didn't really go to movies. Um, and so I just like, hadn't seen them. I remember having friends that were super stoked in 97 and, or 99, I guess is what, when I remember people being really excited. And then I think they were a lot like you, Nick, that they were like, no, 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 it's good. It's good. It's good. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay, and, everybody. Everybody yeah, calm down. Yeah. It's fine. And so I was like, oh, and it was like kind of this like fun yeah. thing that like I had never seen Star Wars because like, you, like you're right, everyone, it's affected everyone. And I like knew like, Luca, I'm your father. So I'm like, ah, it's just a hokey movie. I know the, <laughs> I know the trick ending. So what does it matter? And then I watched them when I was 20. Like I just was like homesick. And like my boyfriend at the time like was like, well, here, let's watch these. And I was like, we have to watch all of these. <laughs> <laughs> and I just was like in love with it. And so, but I still didn't watch the prequels cause I like heard they were bad. Um, and so I, like I watched the prequels like a few years later and just like, I remember like getting amped for it, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and like getting excited. And I think I like, I was like, well, I thought Star Wars was going to be hokey. So I'm sure the prequels uh, are not that oh, bad. Uh, yeah. And then I was just like, what is this? <laughs> like, and I just, and I, Rewatching Phantom Menace was hilarious because I was like, like trying to remember. I was like complaining to you, I think Nick, that I was like, it's just an ad for a game. And so then I got to that part and I was like, okay, good, it's over. And then it just keeps going for like an hour. <laughs> and I was like, I don't remember. Like the first time I watched it, I don't remember it having a plot really or anything, right. you know. And it doesn't really. But it, then it's, I was like, why are we still there. doing this? Yeah. And just yeah, because I was super stoked because like. Darth Vader is fascinating to me. I'm like, and I want to be like, Luke and Leia, who is your mom? Like, that's what I thought the prequels were going to be. Right. Like, and like answer all these questions. I was interested in that relationship. Yeah. Like, who are these people? Right. Yeah. And I, like, I feel like I was set up 
I was promised answers. <laughs> and then you I were felt given really... all of them, but very ham fistedly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, totally. you want all of the answers? Here you go. Here you go. No storytelling or drama involved. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. 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 Who needs yeah. tension? That's yeah. overrated. Yeah. So, yeah. So to wrap up my Star Wars saga, when I saw the the Ray and Finn one, which I can't even think of the name. A New Hope. Force Awakens. Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. <laughs> uh, I'm like, a newer hope. <laughs> uh, the newest hope. When they're like, what's the opening line? It's like, we must fix what is oh, gone no, It's r- like, this will begin to make things right. Yeah. yeah. This will begin to make yeah. things right. And I was like, yeah. oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was so nervous. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you're aware. Yeah. <laughs> you're on to us, JJ. Yeah. yeah. Um, excellent. Interesting side note. I got, I kind of got back into Star Wars in high school because I was homesick. Yeah, they're good. They're and good I, binge watching. And mm-hmm. my my father and brother had owned a video store and they had kept a bunch of stuff and one of them was an unwrap we hadn't unwrapped it yet, but it was just three VHS copies of Star Wars. And I was like, I haven't seen so well. I love this. I'm going to watch this cuz I feel like crap. And then by yeah. the end of it I was like in tears going, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that got me back on the, the <laughs> awesome. thing. So that would have been in like 92, I cool. think. So yeah. Tobin, what about you? I feel like we're going to be similar. But... Yeah, you and I are pretty close. So I was born yeah. in 98, so I didn't No, see... you weren't. Sorry. <laughs> God, can you yeah. imagine? <laughs> you say you are so um. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry, no, I was born in '78. Okay, uh, and so I, I, the only one I have not seen in the theater is the uh, first, what I call the first one. Yeah, uh, I mean, I only get that for a technicality. Yeah, well, well but you still get it. You still yeah. get it. Yeah, you're probably sleeping. Yeah. pay for it. It's like the way I saw a Little Mermaid because yeah. my sister took me when I was a baby. I don't remember it, but I saw it. Oh man, look, God I damn it, I was Mermaid. there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I was. So it, it's in my DNA. So Star Wars. Is was a, it's like a you know a central myth for me that and Robin Hood are my two like growing up those are my two sort of myths yeah. and 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 so and I you know the toys and all the stuff um, so I was really really excited as the as the prequels were going to come out I, I remember the poster so vividly of um, it was the one of the posters was I think it was Anakin and then his shadow the boy the shadow and the yeah. shadow was Darth Vader I yeah. remember that poster too I thought, yeah I, mean, just, I, got, I get chills just thinking about yeah. that the promise of what that what that might whoever might was on that marketing team totally deserves oh, yeah. some serious props totally Totally. Continue. Sorry. Okay. No. 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 So. So. I, so. I went to the theater to see, to see. So my roommate in college stayed out overnight. You know, to get tickets, and mm-hmm. uh, um, I ended up going with um, a, a, a friend of mine and a family friend and the, a boy I used to babysit. So I went with a like a six year old to see it for the first time. Cool. And sit down in the theater, and everybody's you know so excited, and we've all got lightsabers, and the <laughs> and the and the and the um, John Williams music starts, and my hair on my back, of my neck just rise like it's. Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh, I'm I'm home, you know. I've come home, and from then, <laughs> oh, no. oh no, just the just the, I wanted it to be so good. I, I I so badly wanted it to be good, and and it just the drop off from then just drip 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 to the end, and I left, and I did not come out as a defender. I came out thinking that I it was just I, I seeing a lot of the flaws and never really wanting to see it again, and I yeah. didn't see it again until. Uh, a year ago when my own son was five almost six and we watched watched it again for the first time and I texted through most of it I <laughs> got up you know I let, let him sort of just watch and I kind of yeah. dipped in and out of it um, so anyway that's that's my that's my experience of it the first time is really really wanting to like it and not yeah. do you still get because I had this experience with watching episodes one and two for this uh, 
when that John Williams score mm. comes on, I still go like, oh, yeah, Star yeah, Wars. Totally. And then it, but it literally <laughs> is like two seconds after that crawl finishes, you're just like, oh, right, it's this one. Even the crawl, <laughs> itself. No, the crawl itself. The crawl itself. The crawl itself, both of, like, all the prequel crawls are pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it still feels yes. like Star Wars right. in that moment. Yeah, right. Like, so no matter what comes after in those moments, right. you still feel like you're watching Star Wars. Right, exactly. Yeah, what is it? The opening crawl, you know, the opening crawl for the original trilogy are always something like, Rebels have escaped, and this is happening. You're coming in on the action. Yeah, yeah. but this one is like, the taxation of trade routes is in dispute, and I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. Do you have it? Yeah, I do. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. What the f- Oh, come on. And I must leap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just, it's bizarre. Yeah. So in talking about this movie, I honestly feel like, Look, I feel like this movie, watching it this time and really studying, I actually watched it twice before we did this. I, I Just because. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> because I love Star Wars. Uh, and I Star wanted Wars? to give it a fair shake. <laughs> uh-huh, I really uh-huh, did. Right. I wanted to give it a fair shake. And I had such a bad experience watching it the first time when I was texting you. Yeah. That I wound up stopping taking notes because I was just, I was so sad mm-hmm. more than anything. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is, but I feel like this film is fundamentally broken in two different perspectives. And I'd like us to kind of talk about that. Mm. I think it's broken as a film that exists in the Star Wars universe. It's it, the story that it tells breaks the universe, in my opinion. And that makes it bad for one reason. But then I think also as a film, it's poorly made mm-hmm. in ways that it shouldn't be poorly made. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd like to know how you guys feel about that. Like, let's first... I feel like let's first get the Star Wars stuff out of the way. <laughs> it, I don't even know where to begin, but it, it, let's say where does it? How does it break things yeah, for I'm you? Yeah, that a little bit. It breaks the continuity. Right, it breaks... I, I do think that like the prequels themselves break a lot of continuity with the original trilogy. Yes, like a lot of things just don't make any sense. Yes. but I'm wondering specifically in this movie, what for you breaks it? Caitlin, were you going to say something? No, I just I because okay, I was yeah. I think I I agree with you, but I want to sure know more what you mean. Yeah. So a couple of things that I look at. One is relationships and and how these people met and everything. We were pretty much told in fairly plain terms what happened, and that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the first thing. So like we're getting conflicting information, and there's no reason for me to believe that the conflicting information is like a lie. Right. It's a, it's just an inconsistency. Right. Yeah. Inconsistency. Right. Thing. And then yeah. when you see it presented to you, you're like, but if this is now the truth because I'm watching it happen, yeah. why was it told that way? Right. Right. Why does that person believe that is the truth? Yeah. And like, so, yeah. And, and the, the, the truth of that is that Lucas has fucked it up. It's not yeah. because he had some master plan about right. this being, you know, oh, Obi-Wan was trying to, do hide something when there's no reason for him to have hidden this or have it be about you know a certain point of view you know or whatever <laughs> but well but in the way that like he did that well in the original trilogy with saying like your father was killed and be- betrayed by Darth yes. Vader during the clone wars and like by Darth Vader and it's like that thing of like yeah, that's a good telling. Uh-huh. That's a good lie. That's a good like, lie. Right, right. That is a For good, a good reason. Yeah. 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 He's like, I'm protecting you by saying Darth Vader killed your father. And in a way, your father is now dead and Darth Vader has replaced him. Right. And so, but that's one of those ones where it's like, okay, that I, it pays off 
it all works. It does, yeah. Right. But then when like Obi Wan talks about Yoda training him, yeah, and then we get the prequels. Where Obi Wan is trained by a guy we've never heard of before, ever, yeah. and only Who talks is very important, very, important, very yeah. important, but only then only like interacts with Yoda occasionally, and in, in never in a way where I would be like, okay, so they're counting that as the training, I guess. That never happens. Yeah. So there's those things, but there's also things like. The Jedi with the Ghanians and peace and justice in the galaxy, and they're all just assholes and liars and <laughs> and cheaters. Especially Qui Gon. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's like interesting too, because I was like, why do we care about like this? I have. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I was Hit like, me. go like, for the tagline for Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah. No, back. Yeah. Back. <laughs> Watching this, like, I was like do I like Ewan McGregor? I don't, you know? And then, so I'm like, no, 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 I do. I just don't like, (laughs) and then, but like, also I'm like, why do we care about Jedi? We don't, Uh, you know, like, but it's because like in the first films, like, like you were saying, like Luke's like trying to become something, you know? And so like, that's interesting, but just these like perfect robot men, like, yeah, there's what's interesting about that. George Lucas telling us we should care about things yes. and yeah. never convincing mm-hmm. us that we should be caring about we'll things. A reason. Like that's yeah. a trend over the entire prequels, but especially like in the opening seconds, my first note I took about this film was because the opening thing we get is uh, Ewan McGregor and uh, I'm just going to mix all character names and actor names. <laughs> yeah. 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 Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, are pretending to be ambassadors to talk to the Trade Federation and they walk into this room and they just suddenly start talking about like the force and this like weird philosophy type conversation. And I'm like, these are the first lines of your mo- What is happening? Like this is boring in the first five seconds. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot throughout this movie where Jedi are talking to other Jedi about Jedi things. Mm-hmm. And I don't give a shit. Yes. Like as much as I love seeing Jedi fight Jedi, like hearing them talk about Jedi stuff to each other, they sound like pretentious philosophy majors that you like meet in first college. Year. Right, first yeah. Year. Yeah. yeah, first year philosophy yeah. majors yeah. Right. who are talking to you about it and you're just like, uh-huh, cool. Yeah, Nietzsche, yeah, bye. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And I think another thing that, the, um, that, this, that these movies, this one in particular, well, all of them, but this one in particular misses from, or breaks Star Wars, another way this one breaks Star Wars is that the alchemy of having Nick, we've talked about this before. Having a Han Solo type character who does not believe the myth, yeah, is is a very vital part of what makes I think those movies work. Is because you have someone who gets to be convinced of yeah. of the myth's reality of of the. There are stand-in in exactly. a way. Exactly, yeah. there are. He he's our way into yeah. it if we are mm-hmm. skeptical at all. And Luke is the same way in the original trilogy. He knows and believes in this stuff, but he still needs to be convinced right. and right. still needs to be convinced that he should go down this path. So you have all these relatable characters in the original trilogy that you're on their side and you are them and you're seeing all of this happen through their eyes and you can't believe it either. And it's also, yeah, like you're like, wow, like this, like the force is this ancient thing that is like coming back and it's getting stronger now. But no, actually it was just 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. And it was was just like strong DNA. (laughs) You got good genes, kid. Over over explaining is the, uh, another issue way this breaks the, 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 Mm -hmm. the the beauty of the originals that they would, the, 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 we were plunged into this 
galaxy, this universe, this, yeah. this, right. And we were, and we were, ex- uh, it existed before us. It would exist in the, you know, at, before we were in the, and exist after the movies. And, and you didn't have to explain, you didn't have to come up with an explanation for everything. And this movie kills the, it's own, it kills itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does. Explanations. It absolutely yeah. does. And with those explanations, it also kills, uh, some of the fantasy that you kind of, I feel like I needed, which was anyone could be Luke. Yeah. Like anyone could could be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like it was about understanding how to tap into it. It was about it was it was, you know, it was it was a commitment is what it felt like. And maybe yeah, they were a little more force sensitive or not force sensitive, but this idea of like the midi-chlorians that are introduced and everything that like well, the more midi-chlorians you have, the better Jedi you're going to be or whatever. Yeah. And that you're of, picked as a child and the, yeah, and, yeah. Right. And I think they try to convince again they try to tell you that this Anakin is another Luke like he is uh, a hard-working boy from Tatooine who like isn't a isn't a Jedi yet like doesn't live a fancy life and he's going to get taken away to become a Jedi the problem is that like immediately it shoved down our throats how powerful he is and yeah, how right. quick he is and all the stuff he can do that other humans can't do and it's so and you could do that like you could have that, yeah. But show it, yeah, then. yeah. There's a lot in this movie that I felt like <laughs> I was like, that could be good, right? In like someone else's hands or someone else's <laughs> yeah. writing hands as well. Like mm-hmm. there are many elements to this film that could be good, and they could have still started with Baby Anakin, and they could have still done like the same storyline essentially, just make us care and like <laughs> also, do you think because I was like well maybe anybody can be Luke because like Anakin's like this weird like fatherless like miracle baby like like Jesus yeah. or Miracle something yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. but also that's super glossed over like I forgot yeah. that yeah. until rewatching it that she was like there was never a dad I can't yeah. explain it I'm like, like oh just like, yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> okay this brings me to a point that I wanted to bring up, and I would like everybody's opinion on. I, I'm curious about Tobin because Tobin is well. Tobin and Caitlin both are writers, um, so I I hate <laughs> prophecy and uh, you do destiny. hate prophecy. I and, love that about you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, and and being the chosen one, it can work. And I've seen it working yeah. like Buffy the Vampire Slayer actually is a really great example of it working because it's woven into the narrative mm-hmm. um, and is a big part of who she is. And and it comes with both positive and negative. But here, I'm curious, like, wh- why do you think, why do all of you think that, especially in the late 90s, we started <laughs> to see a whole lot more people relying on this idea of prophecy and destiny? Because that's one of the things about Anakin that has always really upset me was the idea of like he's very special. Yeah. Like he has weird dreams. Yeah. <laughs> like he does like you don't need that. One of the great things to me about Star Wars was always that like th- these normal people in extraordinary circumstances. With Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, um Leia, like all of them. Darth Vader in particularly, anyone could be Darth Vader. And I guess that's maybe that's a thing about me. Like I I find Adolf Hitler terrifying because anyone could become Adolf mm-hmm. Hitler. He's not a magical being. He was not destined to do anything. He's just horrible. Mm-hmm. That is a scary person to me. And it's a scary thing to happen to humanity. And I don't know. I, do you guys, have you ever thought about that? Or is, oh. is it just me? <laughs> Some, well, sometimes I like it because then it's like, 
there's like the thing that anybody could be Luke, mm-hmm. you know, like then you're like, it's like, maybe I'm adopted and my parents are kings and queens, you know, like, <laughs> and so like, that's kind of like, like Pan's Labyrinth. F- fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of a fun, like back of your mind thing that when some suddenly somebody is like the chosen one and that they're like, oh, I'm special. And I don't think we never like narratives aren't set up for us to like relate to the special one's best friend it's set up to relate to the special one you know and then i also think that it's like sometimes prophecy i think it can be lazy writing but it'll keep us hooked in because we're like we know this is going to happen i just need to see how it's going to happen sure you know like like you know the cars are heading for each other but like how is it going to work out you know and so i think it's like Dramatic irony, I guess, mm-hmm. is is a way of using prophecies, or right when you know more than the characters do in some respects. Yeah, or like you might know this the prophecy that the characters know too, but you're like, how's that going to happen? Like Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, for example, there's this like prophecy hanging over all these things, and you know all this bad stuff's going to happen, but you're like, prophecy's sort of wishy washy in how it's explained. So you're always like, well, does that mean that, or does that mean that? You can right. like play with the theories yeah. of what you think, how you think the prophecy is going to come together. Well, I also. I think that works in some ways better than it does here because we know the end. We know he's yes. Darth Vader. Yeah, we don't so need So we a... know that, like, yeah. this prophecy is false. In, like, certain ways there's been arguments about, like, that it's not false or whatever. He does bring balance to the Force by becoming evil Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. But it's weird with these prequels, a lot of it, like, watching them, like, knowing the end result of so many of these things – the fact that there's already some lack of tension and drama in the writing, there's even less tension when you know the end. Yeah, And so you're like, like, oh, is is he going to become a Jedi? Yes, of course he's going to become a Jedi. We know that part. Yeah. (laughs) So you have to find those tension in other ways. And I feel like the prophecy thing works a little bit better in things like the Matrix because, yeah, Neo is the chosen one, but we don't know what that means in this universe. We don't know where that leads to. But in this, we know like, Okay, well, the roadmap still points to Darth Vader, and we only got two more movies to figure out <laughs> yeah. how right. this baby becomes Darth Vader. But they're like, I don't want to explain to you the stuff that you're curious about. We're just going to do all this other shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Don't you love taxes and Senate <laughs> debates? Yeah. And into the bureaucracy. George Lucas was like, I'm really interested in West Wing. Let's uh, just do <laughs> yeah. that. Space. People love political drama. <laughs> Let's make that. Yeah. Oh, I, Darth Vader? Shit, I should probably add some of that yeah. in. <laughs> It just feels like a crutch to me, but yeah. I it could be wrong. I don't know. Tobin, do you have any opinions? Only, only to say that, to sort of reiterate the idea that ambiguity and prophecy can be a useful thing. If we mm-hmm. don't know if our right. if our character is truly the chosen one, or if they are a chosen one, and they don't know if they can fulfill that yet, if there is some test of it, if we think they could fail, uh, but but when you remove the ambiguity, or, or or when there, as Caitlin says, multiple interpretations, it's it's a loose enough prophecy we don't know what, exactly who it applies to and what that means and mm-hmm. what's that. But when you do know. Um, the the end, as Matthew says, then then that doesn't we lose that. My only guess as to why there might be in the late '90s a lot of chosen one kids is in in terms of parenting. This is the sort of height of everybody gets a ri- yeah. participation ribbon, oh, right? Everybody is a chosen think, one, yeah. right? Like you, you, so, th- there could be something to that. I, I yeah. don't know. Um, or but, is that why we all got a participation ribbons? Because we, we all the, cause we the, all no, because be the media, because we were like, <laughs> we were trained by Star Wars, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. I don't know. Very very bizarre. Um, 
so I mean, those are my, I, I think, our thoughts on, you know, how this is broken Breaking in the Star, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it did. It, it broke a lot of things. Like, I think the most obvious one is the Obi-Wan, Yoda, Qui-Gon relationship that's like, that's just wrong. It's the that's, characters yeah. we didn't know existed being made Hugely important. super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And feel like, well. Because this is all Qui-Gon's fault. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Qui-Gon throughout this is, makes many very bizarre choices Yeah, uh, that don't really seem to benefit anyone. And like, don't seem to be inherently, like, uh, I don't want to say good as in smart, but good as in... The way of the Jedi, yeah, good versus the way evil, the, kind yeah, of good. Yeah, good versus evil. They, they seem very yeah, selfish. He cheats, and... he lies, he ruins the junk dealer you like he <laughs> yeah like there's there's many things he does that just kind of don't like he, and again that could be done well right mm-hmm. right if he becomes fixated on the idea of i have found the one i yeah. have to i have to yeah. bring the one to his rightful place but he doesn't appear fixated on that. He's just like, well, obviously we have to do this. He's the one. Let's do it. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, cool. We okay, got the boy I guess. <laughs> right. And yeah. you know, you, you imagine you, another version where he finds this chosen one, and this chosen one either becomes the balance to the force or destroys the universe. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that he's found a weapon, basically. And how and, good would it be if he got to see what happened? To yeah. that. Well, yes, but but you have to. It, it, that that then could be an interesting sort of reason that he is so uh, sort of fixated on keeping this kid and, you know, because we have to, we have to have him. We can't let yeah. him go because someone else might come pick him up and yeah, turn him into it's a... Like, um, right. But that's a really good idea. W. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it does, like, it. that whole fixation falls apart because at the end of this film, Qui-Gon dies and Anakin becomes Obi-Wan's Padawan by default. And, like, Obi-Wan throughout this film is just kind of along for the ride. Like mm-hmm. he follows Qui-Gon because he trusts Qui-Gon, but he's not like super convinced mm-hmm. that like, oh, Anakin's the one. Like, you're right, Qui-Gon, <laughs> let's get him back there. So like Obi-Wan taking him on and seeing the fall of Anakin then doesn't have as much right. like gravitas. Re- re- yeah. Relationship is more diffuse then. Right, yeah. where if, like, if Anakin had killed Qui-Gon instead of Darth Maul killing Qui-Gon, like, that shows his turn. That shows the drama. That shows the arc of this person who discovered you and found you and was trying to make you good. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, sort of dissociated emotional uh, stuff in all of these mm-hmm. uh, that we'll talk about, especially in episodes two and three. But mm-hmm. with this one, and I don't know if this goes into more of it just being a broken movie and not a broken Star Wars movie, but maybe we can start that discussion here. The idea that, like, the Jedi are all like, this guy, this kid is dangerous. Yeah. This is bad. Mm -hmm. And then they say, okay, well, you're going to train him. But then they give him to the least experienced (laughs) person. He's already older than they would like to start training. They know that there's a problem. They know that he might be prophesized. They know that he doesn't have a father and that he might have been conceived by the Force. (laughs) It doesn't seem like they're, it's purposefully written. Right. To be like, you guys are making mistakes. It just seems like the writer is making mistakes here that like nobody would do this. It would have made more sense if the, if the Qui-Gon character had been Obi-Wan, right. who is very experienced and everything. And they say, we're going to give you this kid. Yeah. Because. Be careful. And have yeah. Obi-Wan. Yeah. And have Obi-Wan, this character that we care about, care about this kid. Yes. Right. right. Like, but, but he's he like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like the, uh, the Jedi as a whole in this whole thing are just they're very... 
sort of mean tempered, which is weird. Mm-hmm. And well, and, I think it's because this is a time in the Jedi's history where they're just in charge and no one's really questioning that. Like they're kind of just like being themselves. They have a whole council. They're running stuff. And nobody sees that as a bad thing. Nobody's questioning them. They think very highly of themselves. And so I think... I think that's what Lucas was trying to do. Yeah. I I do think that. And I think that was the point at which... Because there's even a line in episode three where Anakin is like, well, in my perspective, the Jedi are evil. And I'm like, what? (laughs) We'll get (laughs) to that. Yeah, I know. But (laughs) but I think you're right. I think there is an element of like everything in this is about bureaucracy and, and, you know, people having too much control and everything is slow and and nothing works. But that really doesn't come out to me with the Jedi. Well, I think we get so many sides of the story. We get the Trade Federation. We get the Senate. We get the Jedi, we get the people of Naboo, we get the Gungans, we get so <laughs> many... Boy, boy, do we get the Gungans. Boy, do oh, yeah. we get the Gungans. <laughs> well, we get so many points of view in this film, and we're never. it's never really clear to me watching it what is the good side right. in this argument. Like, it kind of feels like you're watching this play out and you're just supposed to assume the Jedi are on the right side of this argument. Yeah. But in re-watching these films... It's really easy to put yourself on the other side of this argument mm-hmm. and go like, well, I could see their point. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be that way. Like, if you want us to root for these heroes to win at the end of the day, the other people's plan should be like, let's wipe them all out. Let's take over this planet. Let's do this. And instead of it's like, oh, well, this seemed like an, uh, this is an in- incompetent leader. I will be a more competent leader. Vote me. It's like, uh, m- oh, Maybe. Yeah. Let's, let's hear your argument. Like it's, it almost feels like like you never want like an actor to judge the character they're playing. Like they have to love and mm. like really relate to that character. And it seems like for this whole trilogy, it seems like they're like, well, Darth Vader is or Anakin's going to become Darth Vader, so we don't want to love him too much. Like they're keeping him at arm's distance, and so they're just like, like. The writers never cared about Anakin and never yeah. cared about any of this stuff. But they like, also so it's make like him you... such the focus and like him and Padme, the focus of these movies that yeah, we're supposed like to love them. It's like all plot and not, right, not like character. not yeah. character. Right. Yeah. Right. Like totally there's right. a reason, reason like we're always in fucking wide shots. Like we never get to just like live with them because no. we got to fit our big hair in there and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to yeah. be clear. There was one writer. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the guy on episode two just did some dialogue tweaks. Okay, okay. Um, which, really? Well, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll get to episode two in the next episode, but. <laughs> hey, I have an idea. When she walks up, say, and then she goes away, then say, don't go. <laughs> that was my, um, that's my tweet. Yeah. Yeah. It was a guy George Lucas ran into at the water cooler, and he's like, I got an idea for you. He's like, I'll give you a credit. <laughs> I think that might be it. Um, should we talk about Jar Jar? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Caitlin. (laughs) How political do we want to get? Oh, what? You (laughs) say what you feel. Seriously, yeah. Uh, I feel like Jar Jar is the worst representation of his race. Like, they all were very competent, like everyone else. Like, I was realizing on rewatching it that 
I'm like, yeah, I'm dismissive of, of Jar Jar, but I'm like, oh God, Jar Jar, is there fucking Trump? Like, he just acts <laughs> like, he's like, if if Trump had to represent the human race, I'd be like, oh my God, please, no. <laughs> you know? And that's what, like, I'm like, oh, I feel for you guys now. Like, they're like, they're like, we're just trying to kill him. And they're like, no, we'll save him. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, no, you don't understand what a cat- catastrophe this guy is. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, no, we kicked him out for good reason. Yeah, like, yeah. you yeah. want him, take him. <laughs> and then when they battle, they like still like help him and stuff. Like, that's when I like, like, he's he was helpful because he was klutzy in the, in the battle but like yeah. they like they were like looking out for him and they were just like oh. and I'm like oh man these guys are like competent warriors like poor things oh yeah they had like, like the moment they had the Gungans have to go to battle with the battle droids like they are ready they mm-hmm. have shields they have like so weapons like they are ready to go yeah. Yeah. yeah and and Captain Tarples who is the, I liked him actually yeah he's yeah, the, but the guy that like, he was in big doo doo like I liked that guy yeah. like and but, he seemed competent. Yeah. But I think that, that Jar Jar is actually the key to unlocking how to watch this movie. Do tell. Because oh, so, so Jar Jar is is a is a for a number of reasons a, a racially problematic. Character. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. There are a lot what? of that in the Phantom Menace, especially. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's There's really, a lot of really actions we won't be copying yeah. here on this yeah. podcast because they're very problematic. Yeah. Right. What I think. Lucas was going for okay so yeah what I think he was going for was a character for kids mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he made a movie for kids and I think that that explains a couple of things one it explains why he's not writing doesn't explain it or excuse it maybe explains it but doesn't excuse it it explains why he's writing these uh, scenes the way they are because the scene only has to function as a scene and then you move on to the next scene and it could be something completely different there does not need to be any kind of connective tissue between them because when when a six-year-old watches this movie they're just watching this scene and they're mm-hmm. just watching this scene play out and they understand how this scene happens and they're you move like on to the mm, next scene. i need to fall in love with the 25 year old lady yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you move on to the next scene and the next scene is like you know the, things don't track with one another and like he's a slave they just sort of gl- like gloss over the fact he's a slave all this stuff you, you it just sort of operates in operates within the scene and and because when i have watched this twice now with six-year-olds they love it they love Jar Jar. They laugh at Jar Jar. They laugh at all the Gungan stuff. Is just my my son like belly laughed when Jar Jar would do his funny things and the, all the slapstick stuff because all they're watching. So I think what he was going for with that character was just something that uh, because a six year old sort of if they have younger siblings or they're old enough now to know how funny they talked when they were younger. That's what he's going for. He's going for a, a the, baby talk. A baby talk. Yeah. It just <laughs> he just took a left turn and yeah. <laughs> ended up somewhere. somewhere yeah. far, and, I, and I don't think that that makes the movie good. I'm not at all arguing that. But I think that whenever I'm in a uh, having sort of whenever it's really bothering me, I if I shift into how is this playing to a six year old? Oh, that's maybe why he felt like that was okay to do. Yeah. I think that's a fair way to look at it. I think that also showcases how he failed at doing that as oh, well yes. because right. like yeah. are, are are six-year-olds interested in taxation no exactly right. <laughs> they don't know what a right. trade blockade is yeah right. like they are, care about the 13-minute pod race scene in the middle of the movie that is a video game and yeah. they care about the funny character who makes the poop and fart jokes but those trade federation guys look funny they have kind of butt chins yeah mm-hmm. and the um all the 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 battle droids which hello they should be like 
There's no menace in the Phantom no. Menace. No. And there really should be. These battle droids yeah. are, are are just dumb and childlike. Yes. And 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 that's it's all you know. You could say, oh, he's doing it because he he wants to make toys or whatever. But I think I think that's just so many of the mistakes in the making of this movie come from pitching this as a movie to kids. I think you're right. I, I and I think that was his, always his defense of it. I just think that it doesn't function. To my it's eyes, it's not a good movie for kids. Yeah, but no. that's why he's. I think he, that's what he thinks he's doing. Well, because I think it. it is that thing of not only did George Lucas have kids by this point, like whereas he didn't have kids when he was making the original trilogy, I don't believe. Uh, well, he let one of them name Jar Jar. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, his son is also in one of the later movies. Yeah. And <laughs> his daughter's an MMA fighter. She will mess you up. Uh, then I don't say anything about her. Then yeah. um, <laughs> she's, she's also in one of the movies. I think. <laughs> um, but it's that thing of like the Star Wars movies, like the original trilogy. They were they became movies for everyone. Right. Kids yeah. love them, right. parents love them, right. every age person loved them. And so I think he sees that resurgence with the special editions being released and the movies being released and the toys coming out and this new generation of kids loving his movies. Right. And so he leans into exactly. that really hard because me and Nick had talked about about this a little bit, where like in the original trilogy, like three PO and R2 are comic relief. Right. The Ewoks are cute and like a little bit of comic relief, but neither of them go like anywhere near as far they don't as go Jar Jar. Full Jar, Jar. <laughs> they don't yeah. go. Oh, my faith is numb. Yeah. I can't talk now. Yeah. Or they don't like. There's at least two fart jokes in this movie, and the fact yep. that there's a fart joke in a Star Wars movie makes me sad. Right. And right. it's just that. And like you said, the scenes jumping from one to the other, like you can follow up Jar Jar being numb in a fart joke, and it's like wipes over to uh, like Palpatine being angry and talking to Darth Maul about wiping out the Jedi. And you're like, these are the same movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that inconsistency. Cause like the pod race itself, if this is a kid's movie, like, I know I my sorry no go ahead my, my, I'm like oh I'm watching Little Rascals now is like what happened to me during like I was like oh okay now now this is what this is and I'm like why didn't we have him like working on his pod like this could have been a whole movie and then he wins right. the race and that's like yay Anakin you know like my big problem with it it's not a problem it's it's I'm curious I'm it, it confuses me is like yeah this is this is for kids and then we've got the adult figure putting Anakin in an extraordinary yeah. extraordinarily dangerous thing like people are getting killed yeah, yeah. like this isn't like Sebulba yeah, yeah Sebulba he doesn't win the race he survives yeah. yeah and it's like because when you're seeing people crash it's like no oh, they're dead yeah, yeah. Like, that, that dude in the cave like oh, hits yeah. the rock and just like Rah! and explodes yeah. in a yeah. ball of fire but I want to go back to Jar Jar really quick before, yeah, before. just yeah. like one thing it seems like he is like a bad actor like there's a lot of scenes with him where it's um like it reminded me of the room like that he's like he's almost like out of frame and just says something really weird and you're like oh and then the scene ends with that well because and I, but yeah, it's like it feels yeah. like it's like an actor that they were like oh like that's the best line they could get of him but they made him like they had control <laughs> yeah, over right, that yeah, like yeah, why is he right. out of frame halfway well there's so like, many times too <laughs> where insane. specifically i noticed in the um there's always a bigger fish scene uh-huh. when they're going through the planet core. Uh, when That's a good impression of Brian Blessed. Thank you. I, <laughs> I was going to try and do the, but I won't do that because I don't want to get spit all over this mic. Um, but the, uh, in that scene, one, it is completely devoid of tension. Yes. Yeah. And like, it seems very similar to me in structure to the uh, scene 
why can't I remember? I think it's an empire when they're in the cave yes. yeah. that turns out to be the giant space worm, which space is a worm. great yeah. sequence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And those scenes feel similar to me mm-hmm. in that they like, they feel like, oh, we're just here. We're safe. We're traveling. Da, da, da. And all of a sudden there's like, something's wrong. Something's a little bit off. I have a bad feeling about this. And then the problem, the reason that it doesn't work in this film is because as they're getting that feeling out the back window, we're seeing the giant fish swimming towards them. We're like, well, it's right there. And then like, it's still there. That's it's a long... still there. And then it <laughs> yeah. bites them or we're not at all surprised that it bites their ship because yeah. we saw it coming right. and then it gets bit again. And throughout that scene, Jar Jar's the only one freaking out. So my understanding of that was that Liam Neeson was controlling that when he's like, "There's always a bigger fish." That like that's why oh. that's why Jedi's oh. are boring. Like that's why he was learning, making the fish learning, eat the fish. Totally learning to be a Jedi. That's fascinating. <laughs> but once you're a Jedi, you're like, I just cruise along. It doesn't matter because I'll just oh, there's something chasing us. Boop, boop. Oh, and they just like I never thought about it. I never thought about it that way either. I only thought about it this time because I was really frustrated. I was like, "This yeah. is so boring." And I was like, "Well, because he's like, there's always yeah." Obi Wan and Qui Gon like, neither one have any emotion on their face throughout that entire scene. Yeah. They're just like, "We're getting there. We're getting there." And there's giant sea monsters both attacking them and trying to eat their the other fish and eat them. And I guess that makes a little bit more sense now why yeah, they wouldn't be freaking but, out. But but like, why is that interesting? And like, also like, well, they didn't tell us that either. Yes. Like Qui Gon right. doesn't yeah, like right. be like. Don't worry, I've got this. <laughs> like he just like there's always a bigger fish, and we're like, yeah, all right. And like the rest of the movie, you're right. Like it's not subtle like that, and so no. it's like there's lots. Of, is that it does that weird thing or? where some things are over and over and over explained, and then other things are kind of sound like they'd be interesting, and we don't get any more information. Right. Right. Like Obi Wan talks about how Qui Gon is like such a rebel, and like the council, like you're gonna make the council mad again. You're gonna do that, and it's like. This guy doesn't look like a guy who ever made the council mad. <laughs> he seems like he should be sitting there with the council. Like, what did he do? What? That's my please, favorite kind of please. writing. Oh, you're doing that thing that you always do. Yeah. <laughs> please tell us, Obi-Wan, one more line about why we should care about Qui-Gon yeah. and what makes him cool. This is one of the things that, um, well, first of all, I think this leads into our how this movie is just broken as a movie, not yeah. as a Star Wars movie. But I also want to give props to someone like James Cameron, who does do things like that, but then follows it up with him doing that again and again and again. There's a great sequence. And it's in, going somewhere. Some, or yeah. It like pays off a lot of times. Exactly. Yeah. There's a great sequence in uh, True Lies, which I don't think True Lies is the greatest movie ever made, but it's a really fun, yeah. solid action movie sure. that is also very funny. And it's the only time I've ever seen Tom Arnold be funny. <laughs> and he, but he has this thing where every time something happens, he goes, Oh, here we go. And then it's like he's lived through this a hundred times. But then we get to see the madness play out yeah. again. And then he, and when it's so that later becomes like this totem, right? That when it comes back, you're like, Oh, God, here we go. Yeah. So, but that's not saying like, Oh, remember that last time when this happened yes. exactly like this well, and we'll I talk did this about thing? That yeah. In episode two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. One of the things I want to talk about here is if we're talking about bad filmmaking, and this doesn't have to be bad, but it, it seems one of the great things, one of the things that seeded Star Wars, and people talk about it to this day, my parents talk about it, when they first watched Star Wars, the introduction of Darth Vader mm-hmm. is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's a little, it's not as great now, um, but and when he first, the smoke everywhere, yeah, yeah. and all the stormtroopers are there, and everybody's dead... And he just steps out of the smoke yeah. and he's got the breathing. And he kind of floats. Yeah, yeah and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he just sort totally. of looks. He doesn't totally. say anything and he just strolls off. It's like, 
that was powerful. Was and chilling. character introductions, even in the first Star Wars, are really good. Mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker's introduction is really good. Mm-hmm. It's simple, but it's really good. Yeah. It's very memorable. Um, mm-hmm. was, and it teaches you about them. Like, yeah, that's, you, it's like every, right. you yes. need, it's your first impression is like, this is who this is. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. want to come up with a different way of saying this, but I, I'm struggling to because uh, Rich Evans on Red Letter Media has this trademark, haha. The idea of this being a coupon shot. Like, it's not a gift that someone has given you. Mm. Like, a great introduction is like you unwrap the present mm. and, yeah. and then you're, you reveal <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. The first shot of Jar Jar is just this wide shot of him just going, ah, ah. And I remember when I watched it being confused. I wasn't too confused because I had seen the promotional material. So I knew who that was. But mm. I was like, did I miss something? Yeah. Where was yeah. his introduction? Is this our introduction of him? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like even Qui Gon and Obi Wan got a little bit of an introduction where they step in and then they pull the hoods right, back. Hoods back. Like, yeah, fine. Yeah, but it, this is symptomatic of this whole thing. Queen Amidala is not really well introduced. Mm-mm. Anakin um, just runs into the room. Anakin just runs into <laughs> the room and then room. starts speaking to Watto and Alien. And we're like, all right, and then we're like, <laughs> I think this is Anakin. But hey, kid, you're on. Yeah, but then it's like, go, go, go. It takes a good few minutes until he's like. Um, I have a name and it's Anakin. And you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. If cool. I wasn't so good yeah. at fixing things, I wouldn't even be alive. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the uh. filmmaking here has no point of view. Yes. Yeah. Quite, quite, sometimes quite literally. And in, in the way that you watch an early, um, like an early Spielberg, you watch E.T., right? Mm-hmm. And you're, and you're watching, you know, stuff from his point of view or, or, or from the kid's point of mm-hmm. view. Like you're with them. You're down in their world in a way. This does not get into anybody's point of view. It's all, which is part, part, part and parcel to there being so many, as you guys are saying, so many wide yeah. shots. You never, you never get up with people. I think, okay, I think maybe some symptomatic of two things of, of Lucas. One, he seems afraid of his actors. Oh cer- yes, for sure. No idea what to sort of do with them, or, yes. or yeah. so they're all on yeah. their own. You feel oh, it's okay. We'll just film your shadows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And and yeah. and then and and maybe something else. He's not uh, invested. In, he's not. He's clearly not emotionally invested in the arc of these characters at all. Yeah. He's just hitting hitting these beats, right? He knows it, it's paint by numbers, not in a not in a sort of like a kid painting thing, but like just I know it. This needs to be. We need to we need to hit this beat. We need to hit that beat. Yeah. We need that beat, and then, then I'm done. As opposed to sort of investing in how this character feels at this moment. Yes. Right. And you and and so it just for me anyway locks me out of the movie completely. Completely. Yeah. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And it's it's very obvious that he doesn't know what to do with actors like yeah. that. Is you you with have good to, actors. You have yeah, to try. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. Make Ewan McGregor Natalie is a good Natalie actor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they are all like a lot. Most of the people in this movie are yeah. very good actors. Samuel L. Jackson playing the most boring man in the universe. Yeah. Like yeah. he is hilarious. Move by the way. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, good point. Um, but yeah, like uh, which also compounds problems. Like Ewan McGregor can survive this kind yes, of thing. Yes. Liam Neeson can survive this kind of thing. Even Natalie Portman, even though I think she's poorly used, she can survive this. Poor Jake Lloyd. Yeah. He Is did not survive yeah. this. Yeah. 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 You can't you can't put a uh, he's not he was not a great child actor. He was not a Haley Joel Osment. And a great child actor uses different muscles than a great adult actor. Right. Like it's not the same thing. And to just have this poor kid go into this with no real direction, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, there's and no. And he's charming and cute. Like I really, I want to care about him so much. Like, and I, like, he's one of the ones that maybe you do like feel the most for because, like, the way he like loves 
Padme and stuff like that, you're like, oh, there's some, he cares about something. The way he's like scared to leave his mom, you're like, that's yeah. an emotion I can Like that's understand. a kid I can relate to. Like yeah. I wouldn't want to leave my mom. I'd be scared. Yeah. Like, and yeah. so, and like, I think he, I think he's a pretty good actor considering what he had to do. I, just, I I don't agree with that, uh, but it's different perspectives. I, I found him to be. I've seen a lot of bad kids. We don't know. Oh, that we we don't know if he's a good actor. That's the yeah. thing. I can't tell yeah. from this. There's also I've seen. I like, think we'd know if he was a bad actor. The behind the scenes of this movie, there are like literally <laughs> yeah. things of George Lucas, like directing in quotes a scene of like Jake Lloyd, and like Jake Lloyd does it once, and he's like. All right, that's good. We'll move on. And like you see other people like turn like, are you sure we don't need another one? He's like, no, it'll be fine. And we're just like, everyone around him is like, you're sure? Because that wasn't good. Well, it's and he does that with everyone on set where like, I think even, I think there's a clip out there somewhere out there of Natalie Portman saying that like, George doesn't like to do a lot of takes. And I'm like, yeah. but he should yeah. maybe give the editor a few more options right. for his wow. being as concerned with getting to the editing process as he is. Right. As much as he wants to be there, you'd think he'd want to generate more footage. Right. So he has some options as an editor because that's what he he's said that he as he started out as an editor. So he loves the idea of digital being able to edit basically any which way he wants. Right. To go Back a little bit to what you said, there are some more behind the scenes where there were three, they showed three different people auditioning for Anakin Skywalker. Mm. And I, you can watch those and go, clearly Jake Lloyd is not the strongest. Oh, wow. Person yeah. Here. yeah. But he's like, he he's liked, the cutest. Yeah. He, he looks like, the most like, he, he yeah. the most like Hayden Christensen, maybe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's some forethought. I don't yeah. Know. Maybe or they should have got Skywalker, two right? different yeah. looking guys. Yeah. 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 That's probably. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah it was, it was, it, it, it's a, it's a very weird thing. Another thing that's interesting to me is how kind of ugly this film is. Yes. It's, so, so <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with technology, honestly, and George Lucas's eye. But I think this movie was like on a cusp of a technological boom with like digital filmmaking. And this was pretty early on with that. It was the first film to use that the giant like Panasonic camera, I think. No, that was Attack of the Clones. Oh, was it? Yeah, this was oh, okay. This was shot on 35. This was, okay. They did a couple pickups. Okay. With the, uh, with... It was, I, I want to say, but it it's like, Sony, I feel like but... that's a lot of what the direction of these prequels, that, again, the wide shots and everything is just like everything is just look at this pretty thing that we think looks pretty because it's all digital, <laughs> but because there's no lighting involved in that, there's like they didn't have the capability at the time to make a set look convincing and artsy that we do now with digital, it just all looks very flat and boring. Yeah, and this is another thing that breaks as a Star Wars movie because it's not just the cinematography, it's the production design too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This like the, one of the big differences for those of us who were leaned more into um uh Star Wars versus Star Trek was that it was although I I was sort of both. But, I was both. Um, <laughs> but but the what the thing that you like that they made them very different is that one was very dirty and lived in and mm -hmm. one was very clean and utopian. Yes. And, and this, yeah, this goes is so clean. for utopia. I mean, uh, you look at the Coruscant stuff and it's like 
pristine and you know there's not a speck of dirt anywhere yeah. and and even in the even in the underwater gungan city everything looks perfect and beautiful and the and, ship design like amadala's yeah, ship is right. this shiny chrome all the sleek stuff yeah. yeah right what happened to the sort of you know junkyard yeah. stuff of, of the, the 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 tactile quality of the production design in those in those which which was by necessity because they didn't have the right, digital right. tools um, and i think that's something that uh, among the course corrections that happens later on when you get to the the newer the yeah. movies where they go back to as many as many practical practical effects as they can um, i think that they yeah the, 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 there's no excuse even given the technology for how uh, how what a misfire the production the look of this movie is the yeah. look in a lot of respects i also like it's very drab like even when they go to Coruscant and it, like the queen should look like wow but it's drab, like everything about it. And then I was looking. I couldn't tell also if it was just like because the DVDs I watched were probably early two thousands. Yeah, those like two thousand five releases. I think. It, I was going to say originally that maybe I'm watching this is a bad transfer, or it's just a you know it's a it's overly compressed. But then that problem should also be there on Attack of the Clones. And I watch Attack of the Clones, and I'm like, no, this looks fine. And they're both on DVD, not Blu-ray. I watched brand new Blu-rays from two years ago. Okay, yeah. so had this exact experience. I was yeah. just like, this is way too grainy. And when you compare it with other stuff that was coming out at the time, if you look at films like Dark City or films yeah. like, well, yeah, I, you and I have a <laughs> yeah. big old heart <laughs> we for do. Dark City. Yeah. Um, but The Matrix was mm-hmm. filming at the same time as this was. Um, oh, there was another. Oh, Armageddon. Armageddon oh, yeah. is a it's a terrible film, but like it's a beautiful film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's enjoyable it's to a, watch. Well, yeah, yeah. It's enjoyable yeah. to watch. Michael yeah. Bay can shoot a hell of a visual movie. He really I, can. I stand up for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't have a problem with it. I, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed that movie when I saw yeah, it. Yeah. But like, they're beautiful films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you didn't have to be. It didn't have to be this weird, flat, ugly. Even the first A New Hope when they were shooting on Tatooine is really striking. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's, and they were shot, I think they shot that on 70. So like, it's oh, wow. a, it's a gorgeous film. Yeah. I Whereas don't this, know. Like, you literally have the same sets in certain, right. like yeah. in the, throughout yeah. the prequels, <laughs> you are like on the same location essentially as you were in these original films. And it looks so much like more boring. It's just right. like, right. I don't care that I'm here. You could shoot this in a way, and I think they do this in The Force Awakens, where mm-hmm. like you, the first time they bring you on the Millennium Falcon in yeah. The Force Awakens, you feel right back in yeah, that Star yeah, Wars yeah, yeah. feeling, yeah. and you're yeah. like, we're here. Whereas this, it's just like another wall. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, is that wall you remember from that other movie, right? You like yeah. it? You should like it. Please like it. <laughs> yeah, and, and this goes also to just shot making. Like, Lucas's... Yeah. That's such a huge part of the director's job is to know how the shots are talking to each other and DP as well. But like, know what your shots are doing. Especially if you're a fucking editor as your yeah. background. What yeah. the hell? Can That's I say fucking right? on your podcast? Yes, you can. Okay. <laughs> Fuck yes, you can. <laughs> but like, he has these weird interstitial shots sometimes that are just yeah. like, when there was a moment where Jar Jar is working on the pod, the the, the pod podcast. racer. The podcast. <laughs> the pod racer. And, you know, he's, he's stuck. And we cut to this shot of Padme. There's this wide flat shot where it's like um, the uh, what's the ex- the Russian experiment the Kuleshov experiment where it's like she just has no expression and she <laughs> yeah. just looks right and then she leaves frame. It's so are we yeah. supposed to believe that she saw him and then didn't want to help? Or yeah. is it, what does her reaction <laughs> mean? And the yeah. axis is all weird. Yeah. Like, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're framed really awkwardly. Like I checked yeah. to make sure that I had my settings <laughs> set right because like she's like helping him, but we're like pa- panning away now. It's bizarre. <laughs> it is absolutely bizarre. And I find it inexcusable for a film of this stature. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, granted, this is, I think this holds the record and probably will for a long time, is the most expensive independent film because Lucas financed this all himself. Mm-hmm. All himself. Yeah. This, he got no financing from 20th Century Fox. They just distributed it. So, like, he did not have anyone looking over his shoulder. Right. Period. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. It's almost always a problem. Yeah. yeah. But you'd think he'd be more indulgent and, like, get more takes and yeah. make things pretty. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, also, along the pretty lines, too, in production design, my biggest issue with all the prequels, even since I was in high school or as a kid seeing these, is character design. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because from the early moments and a biggest thing that like I think CGI characters can work completely. Like I think the newer like Planet of the Apes movies like completely sell me on digital mm-hmm. like actors. And I think where this falls apart is how far it jumps away from the look of the original trilogy because yeah. in the original trilogy everything is a person in a costume mm-hmm. and then immediately yeah or a puppet right, right. but almost everything looks realistic or that someone could be portraying it and then we jump into these films and we get the battle droids that are like three inches thick and obviously that's not a puppet because it looks very fake and two no one's in that suit it doesn't feel tactile to me. The jokes that they have are really dumb, and I just hate everything so about those battle droids. Keeping you at a distance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. and I feel like that same right. way about like the droids that help out Watto and the pod racers. Mm-hmm. Like everything is so annoying and lifeless yeah. at the same time. Right. And it's yeah, that this persists throughout all the prequels. All these character designs that just feel like very little heart went into mm-hmm. them, and I don't feel anything for them yeah. and that's not just because they're cgi because like i said right. plenty of other movies have proved we can care about cgi characters animated movies prove we can care right. about not real things so i think it's just not taking that extra step yeah this is like a going off of that this is a teeny bit of a like tangent thinking of animated films but i was saw something recently where i was looking at the little girl who played alice in alice in wonderland and there was a little girl and she like did all the stuff and then the artists drew her yeah, yeah they wrote you a know? script a yeah. lot of what she did yeah. used her as a as, as a template yeah and then so they have like movements that are natural and there's life there yeah you know right, and so right. it's like it's almost like they were like we got digital. It'll be fine. Like, and that's they, the biggest thing. In the droid uh, Gungan battle at the very end, it looks like a battle simulator. Like yeah. It looks like a video yeah, yeah, game yeah. where you yeah. would just copy and paste 100 droids and then a copy and paste 100 Gungans and then make them walk towards each other. Yeah. None of them are moving independently of each other. It just looks it's like, like those cardboard crowd scenes. Yeah, and I don't, yeah. one, I don't care about that scene at all to begin right. with. That battle means nothing to right. me. But two, when you don't give me anything human inside of there besides Jar Jar being an idiot, yeah. I'm really not going to care about the outcome yeah, of that battle. Yeah. Right. Well, this yeah. is the thing. Like Another thing that was filming at the exact same time was Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. Right. Right. So when you had those massive armies, you also had your hero right. characters right. who a major, you know, you would have these, the, the program was called Massive where they just the the whole software was just to create massive armies but at the front of those armies were people in costume and makeup right yeah and right. so you well, could cut that, to that them. we have cared about Yes. Along the well, way. there's that, but like yeah. even in your oh, orcs, you even the, right, right, right. Like, yeah. even the orcs yeah. were right. You cut to a right. close up of an orc face going like, ah, right. ah, yeah. And then you'd pan out to a thousand fake orcs. I believe they all look that good if we get up yes. close. Yeah, and it's like the magic of filmmaking. Yeah, like yeah. that's right. the yeah. trick. Yeah, and you're just abandoning. They say no, we have one tool. That's all we need to right. use. And think, also, oh, go, go ahead. Please. Oh, I think that's. I think I was so desperate to find 
heart in that scene that that's like the guy who tried to help Jar Jar. I was like, oh, they're, all, they're good and they yeah. only have Jar Jar. Yeah, sorry, go yeah. ahead. No, in the in the uh, Helm's Deep sequence, uh, um, in the Two Towers, he talks about how as they were cutting this massive battle sequence together they couldn't go what is it four five six shots before they had to cut back to a character that we knew yeah. or we lost inter- we, we lost uh, as Matthew's saying sort of the investment in yeah. the battle mm-hmm. we didn't care yeah. we wouldn't care anymore and that they really make uh, that, 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 that becomes even more starkly apparent in this big battle sequence it really yeah. does um, also Battle of Helm's Deep may be one of my very favorite things ever <laughs> caught really, on cinema really, yeah really but good. that's a really good point yeah. because Jar Jar is the one we're supposed to care about <laughs> right. in that battle and I don't. I mean, yeah. kids might, but then it's also like, it's a very do the kids care about the battle, or they just care about Jar Jar? Yeah. Where is the, where's the line yeah. there? No, he thinks kids are dumb. Is the is the yeah. answer? Yeah, and so he can write dumb, and it is right. dumb, and it seems dumb, and you know, kids laugh, but that doesn't stick with them. In, in the right. Same way. Whereas the reason we liked these movies as kids is because like the original trilogy was like well done, mm-hmm. and as kids, we were able to like still appreciate them for what they were, even if we didn't get everything at the time. Right. And this one was just like, no, kids like fart jokes, right? Right. Here you right. go. Right, because like even C-3PO in the first one, he's annoying, but everybody understands he's annoying. Right. Like everybody treats him a certain way. It's like, would you just stop talking? But in this movie, <laughs> C-3PO and R2-D2 talk about how annoying Jar Jar is. <laughs> so you know he's bad <laughs> when the annoying right. characters from the original trilogy are like, this guy, right? Right. <laughs> also, can we talk about how they? One of the issues with this movie is they've knit all this stuff so close together. Thank you. That was again. kind of the yeah. last point I wanted to talk about. Is this idea of uh, it's sort of destiny in itself that like everything goes into this singularity that everybody's paths not only have crossed, <laughs> but but originated together. Originated together. Anakin which, built C three PO. Where did R two come from? That, like, he was just a normal like that guy's ancient. I love R2 so yeah, much. Yeah, he's just a <laughs> regular a droid working yeah, on yeah. he's just working on Queen Amidala's thing. <laughs> and I'm fine exactly. with that. I'm fine with yeah. him being on the on the ship and just being and he's the smartest for some reason or the most resourceful and and whatever. He's and yeah, where yeah. did he come from? That's but great. again, yeah. what a terrible introduction shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just get him as one of five other droids and we have to be like, I think that's R2 D2. Yeah. yeah. And it's like let us have that. Like again, they delay the moment for like five minutes until the guy goes. His numbers are R two D two, and we're like, Yeah, we know. Yeah, <laughs> we're all aware of who that is. It's not a surprise. Yeah, Let so- us enjoy that first moment right, where we right, see right. him like undocking and like right. appearing on top of the ship. And we're like, oh, It's him. Yeah. I can never really forgive the whole Anakin building C three PO thing. It's so weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's and so it, weird. It's it's weird, and it's. Like, I don't understand why. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you can, it, we may get comments of people saying, well, in the expanded universe, no. <laughs> I don't care. I, this is how I could justify it. If, like, we were like, frustrated that they were just telling us all this stuff instead of showing us, like, if we had seen him working on C-3PO and making him work, and that's how why we know that he's like a little fix-it guy and like can fix all this stuff. That could be interesting, but we could have achieved that by having us see him work on his pod racer at any yep. time. Yeah, right. absolutely. But or instead also, he just is like, I'm really good at fixing things. It would have been really cool if like throughout the movie, he's tinkering with something, tinkering a little totally. here, here and there. You don't know what it is, and then at a certain point, it sits up and it's C-3PO. You're like, <gasps> 
that. That's he, a great idea. I love made, that. Yeah, right? Yeah. But like you see him working on something and you think it's just like a nonchalant project. Like yeah. he's just like working on this little thing like because he's mad or Give something. Give your actor's yeah. business and, and then it's a yeah. big deal. And then all yeah. of a sudden one scene he like powers it on and it's like, oh, hello. And you're like, human oh, cyborg relationships. We know, we know that guy. Right, right. Like or, give him a reveal. And then this is 3PO. You're like, Oh yeah, cool. <laughs> or don't give us C-3PO in the prequels. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. not in this movie or whatever. Like have the universe be- come together more organically over the yeah. course of the films yeah. as opposed to having to sort of uh, explain and unexplain and have it all happen in this place where then what Anakin's never going to come back to Tatooine to look like it's just makes yeah there's another thing me. that really irritates me Obi-Wan <laughs> doesn't remember these droids yeah. later yeah. on because he's like I don't seem to remember owning any droids it's like no but you definitely interacted with them yeah. a lot yeah let's move on to how we would fix this okay. if we could mm-hmm. uh, Caitlin well one thing we haven't talked about and it's like the only thing that I like about the movie is that <laughs> oh so I'm sorry um, <laughs> no that's okay um, is that so, hello, I am Luke Skywalker, and I am here to rescue you, mm-hmm. is very important. And Leia's like, I'm fucking fine. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. And, like, so I love that yeah. Padme, they're, like, there to rescue Padme, and they don't even know that she's already rescued herself. Right. She has a decoy. She's got this under control. Like, her whole mm-hmm. team. She's on top is, of this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, like, moves her eyebrow, and they, like, know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, and that, like, you're just, like... That's what I like about prophecy sometimes is that like you're like, how is this going to work out? And so you're like waiting for this reveal that she's she's the queen and like they like all the fun stuff is like happening throughout that. She's like the queen would not approve of this, you know, and he's like, she trusts me and like just all this. It's just like they do subtlety in that and it's clever and it's fun. But so I feel like if we were if we were in her point of view or yeah. someone that was on her team, that would be really interesting, you know, because that's actually like the one through line that's successful. Right. Yeah. That, but they just, it's just this thing that they did well and it's really fun and cute and like, yeah, well just, I think that if we were tracking with Padme, that would be fascinating because like we were talking that like she's a public servant. She is sacrificing herself. She cares about something. There's heart, like, and she's doing this, like, cool, like, defensive maneuver that's, like, really, like, (laughs) helpful and fascinating to the plot. Like, I would just, like, try to track with her and I think that would be a really cool movie. Or at least, like, give us more insight into that because it's, she, she is the through line more than, like, Anakin doesn't come in until halfway through the movie. Yeah. And then, like, our, other hero is like someone we've never heard of before and then obi-wan is a robot in this one (laughs) so well and how much more interesting is that to like tell the story of luke and leia's mom right because that's what i want to know from their point of view we know who their dad is but we don't know who their mom is yeah and have it be like you don't even realize that she's gonna be their mom necessarily right away like as opposed to like and this, she meets Anakin, says hello, and we're like, well, all right. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> we know this story. Yeah. Are you an angel? Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that idea. I think that's yeah. really yeah. good. Yeah. Tobin, Thanks. do you have any fixes? Yeah, just a couple. I, uh, look, you have to, again, burnish the ground. <laughs> but I, I think <laughs> Tobin's number one rule of <laughs> that's, that's remaking the, all these films yeah. is burnish <laughs> the ground, start over. Real bad rule number clean, one. Yeah. Clean start. Right. Yeah. I, I, I love that idea. I do think you, you have to make it more menacing. If you call it the Phantom Menace, it has to be more menacing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to have a lived, the world has to be more lived in. I think maybe you don't kill Darth 
Darth Maul. I think maybe Darth Maul right? survives. Oh, into, hell into yeah. Movie. yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely... They, it was so, such a bad decision, they retconned it. Yeah, in so the animated series. So him back together or yeah. gave, gave him a fake like lower half. Or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah, if he so continued to be a, the menace throughout yeah. this trilogy, right. way better. Well, I mean, right. they're talking... The Phantom Menace is Sidious. The, yeah. The Phantom Menace is the Emperor. Yeah. Who we and, haven't really discussed, but... Is the most interesting yes. character <laughs> and well-acted character yeah. in this movie. Ian McDermott deserves a big hug yeah. because, like, he really sells it. Like, yeah. he goes yeah. full hammy. Like, he's and and it's not yeah. like I don't look at it and go, "Oh, you're in a different movie." Like, no, you're doing a good job. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And I mean, he doesn't have a lot. No, yeah. but but he like I also thought it was good casting to bring him back. Right. So he was the Emperor in Return of the Jedi, right. and now he comes back. He's aged, and it's like okay. Right. Yeah, and his and his in his uh, dialect can deliver those sort of and and Lucas writes those lines better. I think those like mm-hmm. evil, yeah. you know, insidious. Uh, if I may, Romantic lines. dialogue, not, uh, yeah, so not so much. Evil dialogue. <laughs> oh, yes. We'll talk about that. So I, I think bottom line, you don't make it for kids, right? Yeah. You make it you make it more menacing. You hire a new writer, and, you, <laughs> and maybe you stick and and then the, and then the you have to if you're going to have all the political intrigue, we have to care about it. Yeah. And maybe yeah. maybe following uh, uh, Padme is the the best way to do that. I'd, I'd vote for that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, Matt. Uh, my notes are pretty similar. Uh, I want this movie to take itself more seriously. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Whether that's cutting out Jar Jar completely I'm on board Um, (laughs) but like as much as the pod racing scene is cool it's totally unnecessary it's just there to be cool and there's a lot of these moments in this movie where it's like it's just there to be funny or to be cool in a way that serves doesn't serve the plot at all and in fact ends up like subtracting from it for me because I do see those grains in there of that good plot of the Sith Lord and his apprentice like being a threat, but we don't get to appreciate it because we're going to cut away to the Gungans being funny. And so, yeah, it's similar to Tobin's notes of just take it more seriously, improve that writing and just, yeah, don't cater to the children quite as much. Yeah, I agree. My notes are a little more out there. I, the best thing that ever happened to star Wars was the empire strikes back. Like the first star Wars, you know, incredible, great ride, but then Lucas stepping back mm-hmm. because he was exhausted and, and and it was very stressful for him and he didn't like working with actors and and didn't like working with studios and and handing the reins over to Lawrence Kasdan to write and Irvin Kirshner to direct, I think sparked a kind of magic that we've never really seen again, um, except maybe in Raiders of the Lost Ark. The idea that Lucas has an idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he gives it to much more like a good producer should, mm-hmm. like yeah. a good right, executive right, producer should, right. should be able to say, here's a great idea. You guys are good at doing this. Yeah. Go do it. That I think could have been a great thing for the prequels for him to say, look, I, these were not, well, no, these would not be the words that he would have used, <laughs> but for him to have said, you know, something like this, this needs to be Game of Thrones for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like this needs to be political intrigue and it needs to also be a really tragic, romantic thing. I'm not good at that. Somebody else make this and I'll have final call. Yeah. Fine. I'll, I'll give notes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll give yeah. notes. I'll, you know, I think that was the magic bullet that was dodged <laughs> here. Yeah. Um, he just tried to take on too much and too much of things that he knew himself he was not good at, which is weird. And I don't, I, I don't know why it became so precious to him. 
Um, and we'll talk more about that with the next two movies, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that being said, time to rate it. I rate all of these films <laughs> yeah. um, with uh, a category like Storms. One is not so bad. Five is dangerous. Um, this is a three. It, and I, f- I feel kind of weird because I really kicked this film. But it's not a good film. But I I also see elements of it that I think are not terrible and have promise. Um so yeah, I think it's a three. I I, I I went back and forth between three and four. I really did. I but I'm gonna settle on three. Matt? Uh my scale is the PMP scale. Indeed it is. Uh based on our first movie we did troll. <laughs> uh the possessed mushroom puppet scale is a one to five type star rating of enjoyment. Uh I went into the Phantom Menace thinking I was gonna enjoy it more than I did. I somehow had romanticized this movie as being my favorite of the prequels, and I don't know if that's true anymore, but I am going to go ahead and give this a two on the enjoyment scale, because there's just a lot of moments watching it where I'm like, why why did you do that (laughs) thing you just decided to do right there? And that's me talking to George Lucas, of course. Um, (laughs) Not the characters in the film. And yeah, I just did... I don't know the next time I'll rewatch this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I will. Yeah, I like, think I'm good for a while. I was really surprised at how... Maybe when I have kids. Maybe I hear I, they enjoy yeah. it, so... <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You'll be texting and, like, doing dishes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the next time I see this movie, I'll be texting through it while my kid watches it. That's fair. Caitlin? Um, I... Judge it on a scale between one, I wish this movie didn't exist, and ten, I wish I made this movie because mm-hmm. it was such a great idea. So I'm going to go with a three. Oof, yeah. yeah. I, I like the, like, I do not wish I made this movie. Um, <laughs> I wish but, you like, made this movie. Not oh, the, I wish you made your I, version yeah, of this Yeah, but movie. I love the, like, yes, I love Padme so is much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think, like, yeah, I wish that George Lucas had hired me <laughs> to work on this movie. When you that would have been so cool. How old in when 1999? I was 14. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, 14 year old Caitlin, come help me make a better movie. I know you've never you seen Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I need a fresh eye. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> That's fair. Tobin? So I have the, the Torgo scale, yeah. uh, one to five Torgos um, from Mano Sands of Fate. Uh, so the, the idea being that uh, how many things are there worth recommending in this movie? Yeah. And I give oh, this a, cool. so it's a, I give this a, a two. Um, I, I waffle between a one and a two. I give it a two. Uh, one of those twos is for, I think I like Liam Neeson better than you guys do in this movie and you and McGregor. I don't know. I, I like them so much. I have a lot of goodwill toward them. And so uh, I, I, don't, I don't mind when they're so much on screen. Um, and I and I think that they're handling things fairly well. And then there is that that lightsaber battle that we didn't talk about at the end yeah. between uh, uh, Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, and Darth Maul that I think is fun. It's it's not, look, maybe I'm just starved for it by that point in the movie. Yeah. Um, but right. I but I think there is, I think there's, and I like that they there's some wide shots of it. This is where wide shots there, work, where you can see them fighting mm-hmm. and they also let and the tension happen and there happen. are some close-ups that are yeah. really great too right. very bizarre interesting to, to think about in the the really fast action he does cut to a lot of close close-ups yeah. to where if you're watching it in pan and scan which is how i did for a couple years ago right, right. you can't see what's happening right. like at all yeah <laughs> um and in that final sequence there are a couple times i i think i noticed it the first time watching it this time there's a really cool move you and mcgregor does yes <laughs> in that where he Sorry. does that, but he he like lets go of the lightsaber and it flips around and then he grabs it again to go in and it was like whoa yeah yeah so there I agree there's like 
there, there's stuff there. There's stuff there. And and some it. of my favorite moments in the movie, I think maybe my favorite moments in the movie are when they are behind the laser walls. Mm-hmm. The video game wall. Yeah. 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 And Which, Darth Maul right. is like taunting them yeah. by like locking them behind these yeah. panels. And there's just like that's a, a moment where George Lucas took time yeah. Yeah. and you're just watching yeah. 15, 20 seconds. What an interesting seconds. decision to make yeah. in the middle of a fight scene, a climactic yeah. fight scene. Like, and, that's cool. And this is where Liam Neeson's whole I'm cool as a cucumber thing where yeah. he just kneels. Yes, yeah. Love that part. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Like, that's a great use really of like that. that. I am, I'm going to center myself. And then yeah. there's a great yeah. shot right before he's about to get killed where you see, and this is again, Liam Neeson's a great actor, Mm -hmm. and he has this moment where you see him looking not only tired, but he looks confused. Yeah, Like he has, there's a close up on him where he's just like, I don't know what I have to, I've run out of options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's beautiful. And then then the, uh, right before Obi-Wan and Darth Maul go at it, Mm -hmm. there is a great moment of Ewan McGregor hopping yeah, oh, because yeah, yeah. he's behind the wall. Yeah. He's yeah. so angry. Amped. He gotta get can't past yeah. He's also got to get amped up. He right. has yeah. to. He has to. He, like, knows this is, yeah. he has yeah. just seen the worst thing happen. Yeah. And yeah. He, he's locked out. He can't and go he back. And he comes yeah. out. That, that wall is down and he is charging yes. yeah. out. Like it is. It, 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 it's, it's such an entertaining, well-filmed scene yep. that it doesn't seem to fit with the rest <laughs> yeah. of the movie. Yeah. 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 We forgot about it. No, like cause it is. It's like it's all, it's, its its own, own thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's got the yeah. best section of score in the whole movie. Yeah, like the true. duel of fates yeah. score yeah. Thing, right? is so good that like I can just hear that. And I'm like that feels like it's from a good Star Wars movie. Yeah, it does. Like yeah. that makes reminds me of good things. Right. John Williams score for all three of these films is very good. Yeah, I, I mean John so, Williams is. How many times did you have to watch these movies? Oh my to god, score <laughs> I felt so bad for him. <laughs> He deserves like MVP for these. Yeah. Like this is no. You're right. Just unjustifiably, we didn't talk about that. But you're right. That is a very well made sequence. Yeah. yeah. And part of that, I think, is like working with stunt coordinators. Mm-hmm. Uh, fight, yeah. Fight. And, and, Ray and Park. letting your actors act. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And as you say, as you, Caitlin, as you're saying, give give the close up to see them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. yeah. But hiring like someone like Ray Park right. to play your villain is genius. Like, do you know who's he, originally going to play him? No. I just found this who? out. And he quit. Uh, who, who, who? Okay, hold on. Oh, I'm so afraid. <laughs> he, he quit because they removed all of, pretty much all of Darth Maul's lines. Okay. Now this right. may be rumor, but it was on the IMDb's trivia. Okay, yeah. I hope it's true. Benicio del Toro. <gasps> That's cool. so weird. Right. <laughs> Especially because he's gonna be in the new Star Wars yeah. movie. He's gonna be in the Last Jedi. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, but. That's Can you very... imagine him in that makeup? He has such a, a striking yeah, yeah. face. Yeah. But Ray Park did a fantastic job. Yeah, I think yeah. Ray Park is fantastic in most things he does. But like, as a stuntman, he is undeniably great. Yeah. And, and uh, Peter Serafinowicz did the voice of Darth oh, Maul, which is um, really great. He's the new Tick. Oh. oh. Um, and oh, he was right. in all of the Hot Fuzz and yeah, yeah, uh, cool. Shaun of the Dead. Huh. Yeah. Um, and he's great because he does that. He kind of does a voice. He was on a show called Spaced where the half of Spaced is about the pre- loving the prequels. It's yeah. about, it's about <laughs> oh, really? episode one oh, a lot of yeah. it. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. If you haven't that's seen Spaced, oh, see Spaced. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's um, not my real good, but no, it but, should be now. Yeah, <laughs> oh, just to, I agree with you. Um, I, I feel like we took that away from you there. Tobin. No, no, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those are the two things. I do have a question. Like, I think it would be interesting to make like a mock documentary about like, 
who designs these tower rooms that you can just fall down forever in? <laughs> yeah. Like, the, I want the architects of Star Wars. Like, what are you doing? If you have never seen... I'm, you know what? I'm going to come back at you with my real good. Okay, cool. So I'm excited. I'm just going to okay. start. At this yeah, point, we want to let people know. know something that'll take the bad taste out of their mouths with this film. Now, I had something different, but until Caitlin said that, hmm. I just realized, no, 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 it has to be this. If you can find them, Robot Chicken... Oh, yeah. Did uh, a series of basically long, long episodes about Star Wars. It's a claymation show. If you've never seen it, Seth Green is heavily involved along with Breck and Meyer. And the Star Wars, and it's comedy. It's all just like... It's like sketches, right? It's, like, yeah, it's, like it's lots of little vignettes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And cool. it, um, I will loan them to you, Sweet. Caitlin, because they are... The best way to think about the prequels. Tobin, what's your real good? So I've, what I've decided to do is, for these three movies, pick an, another movie that one of these actors That's is much... Was, oh, really? really? Cool. You're, much, cool. much better served. So I'm going to recommend a Liam Neeson movie um, called A Walk Among the Tombstones from mm. 2014. It's a Scott Frank. Uh, Scott Frank wrote and directed it. Scott Frank is my probably my favorite living screenwriter. Um, and he, he has a, a Netflix series called Godless out right now that he also mm. directed. Um, but Walk Among, Among the Tombstones is based on a, um, a Lawrence Block uh, novel, a, a, a sort of noirish detective, contemporary noirish detective. And um, th- this the movie begins to play like a sort of normal detective movie, and then goes some interesting places, and is very interested in the characters. He's a he's a, a character writer, and and Liam Neeson is wonderful as this New York. Um, sort of rough around the edges, um, uh, uh, New York uh, uh, private eye. So, uh, yeah, I recommend A Walk Among the Tombstones. Oh, I love a good noir. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Matt. Yeah. What's your <laughs> What's your real good? My real good uh, is a better political <laughs> drama hidden inside of a popcorn movie, and it's Captain America Winter Soldier. Ah, that's oh, it. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because totally. that is fully leaning into the political drama. Yeah. While making a sequel, not a prequel, to like a huge movie that everyone like, you usually think you know what you're getting when you go to a superhero movie. And yeah. Winter Soldier was just like, nah, here, here. we're gonna do a political drama with Robert Redford. <laughs> like, here yeah. you go. Yeah, and it does it so well, and it does make me feel like it's like written by Aaron Sorkin, and it's just that kind of intrigue that I like. That I feel like George Lucas try to do a little bit and just didn't nail it all. Yeah. So go watch that. Good call. Also, cool. before before we get to your thing, I do want to say one thing. George Lucas seems to be a wonderful human being. Oh, good. Oh, he, yeah. he, you know, he sells Star Wars to Disney for like, what was it, $3 billion? $4 billion. Four. $4 billion yeah. and gave all of that to education. Yeah. Right. He also cool. bought up a bunch of uh, land ar- around his house and turned it into low-income housing, even though like he lives in like the fanciest richest part of california and like all of his neighbors were petitioning for this not to happen and everything and he like was like no i'm gonna do this because i can (laughs) (laughs) like he seems to be a genuinely good person he's incredibly shy like painfully shy maybe that's why he struggles with actors yeah i think think it is yeah because that's such an intimate yeah it's confrontation like you have to be Mm -hmm. somewhat confrontational to say like no that was not good please do it again and hey like like, deep into your reach into your soul yeah Yeah. yourself up to them yeah yeah Yeah. and it you know it takes some muscles that not everybody has and so or not everybody has developed um so i i want to make sure that you know i ragged on a lot of what he did here but he does seem to be a a good person 
And that's a rare thing, I think, at working at his level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I want to definitely say good for him. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, that I, I don't, I'm not calling into question his character in right. any way. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it's none of us are. Yeah. This yeah. is just like these three films are not good. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't have a problem being honest about that. But he I also want to definitely shout out that he seems to be a good person. So cool. Caitlin, what's real good? Um, I am going to do a similar thing to Tobin and recommend something with these actors. Um, hopefully I am conti- I can hold that <laughs> on. Um, but there's a short um, with Ewan McGregor called Desserts, where he is walking along the beach and finds sweets. Oh, yeah. And it's beautiful and weird. And I don't think there are any lines in it, but he... You it's feel shocking. for him, and it's shocking, and the huh. the um, the CG in it is really cool and just like super well done and really like fun to watch. And it makes you right. think. Yeah, it really yeah. makes you go. I have to watch wow. this. Yeah, no, it's very. I've never good. even heard of it. Yeah. yeah, it was something. I I don't know if it was in a class we taught together. I think or something. I maybe saw it on like a whole fin DVD or something, and then maybe we. Like showed it to a class or Maybe something? Maybe something, because yeah. I know I definitely showed it yeah. to classes. It's yeah. a It's a wonderful, because I think writing short films is harder because <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you don't have- You an, don't have the three X structure. Yeah. 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 Um, and, th- and this is a beautiful example of like, look, here's an idea. Yeah. And it's fully cool. realized. Yeah. So it's very good. And yeah. it's cool because it's it was just, it's just this moment and to have such like a great and like- potentially egotistical actor be like yeah I'll just walk along the beach but then you also are like he's putting so like he's acting like he's he's there yeah and it's really and it's really good and and weird in a really cool surreal way I'm so glad you reminded me of that That I was trying to remember so that's what I was searching uh, it is a a terrific Hmm. short film like I really like it a lot I agree Um, so that's this episode of episode one of episode one (laughs) (laughs) Um, thank you guys for potting with me I really appreciate it Tobin where can people find you they can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington all one word Uh, uh, and I um, on a podcast called Cinemakers about Steven Soderbergh. You can find me there, and soon to be on a podcast called The Contenders about uh, wi- uh, films made by and starring unruly women. Uh, wait, is that with your sister? Yeah, with my I'm sister. I'm so excited oh, about that. Yeah, I can't yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be really fun. So you can you can follow us at. Uh, contenders underscore pod on Twitter to get ready for our February release. I highly awesome. recommend it. Thanks. Caitlin. Um, I'm Kaylin Hoffmeister, and I have a podcast that uh, maybe I'll have a February release for it, too, because <laughs> I've just recorded a bunch of stuff, and now I need to edit a lot. <laughs> um, and it's called You're Doing Just Fine, and you can find it at justfinepodcast.com, um, or you can find me on Twitter at SnarkyBurn. Yeah. And uh, go rate and review these podcasts, by the way. That really yeah. helps on iTunes. Yeah. It helps uh, everybody else hear about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it helps us know that people are listening. Yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah. Somebody out there. Yeah. Podcasting is somewhat a void sometimes <laughs> yeah. where you can like see some numbers and stuff, but you're just like, is but there's no comment section. Yeah. There's exactly. no like, yeah. please rate and review so we can know you exist. Yeah, yeah please. <laughs> Matt, where can people find you? Uh, I am just everywhere on the internet at Matthew Gatos. So and then, find me there. Good job. Caitlin, are you going to PodCon? Yes, you are. I'm going to PodCon so in Seattle. Me, which will you, come and out. Matt are going to PodCon. 
this um, coming will weekend. This, will yeah. this video and, be out? And Tobin is not invited. <laughs> yeah. We, per- we specifically we were, said. We were barely invited. Yeah. 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 Barely. Just in. barely. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, uh, it'll be this coming weekend in Seattle, the 8th and 9th? 9th and 10th. 9th and 10th. 9th and 10th. Um, so come check us out. I'm going to be doing a couple things. Caitlin's going to be doing a couple things. Yeah. Matt's just going to be hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> Causing a ruckus. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you can go to podcon.com to check out the schedule and uh, see if you want to join us for anything. But until then, this has been Real Bad. <laughs>